I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. This is Come to Daddy with Ruben Kay, the podcast about parents that really should be grounded. I don't want to say I've got daddy issues, but when my mum told me Father Christmas wasn't real, I couldn't get an erection for three weeks. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to Come to Daddy, the podcast about our parents, hosted by me, Reuben Kay. And you may be thinking, who are you, Reuben Kay? And what are you, Reuben Kay? And to be honest, my therapist, many doctors, and one unethical vet are still stumped by those questions. As am I. I'm a queer man, drag queen, comedian, cabaret performer, Australian, and only one of those is a real thing. And my gender pronoun is talented. As a queer person from a Jewish family stunted by the horrors of World War II, we're getting heavy very early, so strap in. Let's just say that working out my identity has always been complicated. But one thing's for sure, family holds a huge place in my heart. It's how I place myself in the world. So in this podcast, I'm doing a deep dive into the very first things that make us who we are, our parents. And I'm asking my guests, luminaries of the comedy scene, intellectual titans, and some of the most immature assholes I know and love, how their parents contributed to the person they are now. It's a lofty task, but hopefully you, the listener, get something out of it before you realise I'm just rehashing my friend's trauma in a huge masturbatory exercise that even Louis C.K. thinks is a bit too much. 
But unlike Louis, I've got support in this. I'm ably assisted, some would say guided even, by my magician's assistant without the glitter leotard despite my demands, Amanda Sangorski. Listen as we pull the rabbit of personal growth out of the top hat of trauma. Are you happy with that metaphor, Amanda? Um, not in principle, no, because I don't think you should be putting animals in top hats or, you know, containing them in any way like that, really. That's lovely. Moving on. Now, it's not just my celebrity guests I want to hear from, because in the words of Freddy Krueger, you are all my children now. And I want to hear from you, my podcast pals. Amanda, I hate you for writing that line. I want to hear your stories about your parents. Mad, funny, touching, Let's turn this scream into the void into a dialogue. You can also please feel free to send in a copy of your passport, your bank details, your blood type. It's all necessary considering I can't give blood in 2022. Not because of the gay thing. They just know me by now. If you do choose to dip your toe into the murky waters of the Come to Daddy podcast, email us at cometodaddypodcast at gmail.com. It's spelt exactly as you assume it is. Just to clarify, that's C-O-M-E to Daddy, not the way Reuben would spell it. So let's get into it. My guest today is an actor and comedian whose mum was deputy head at the school she went to, so when she came home after a teenage party and was sick on the drive, her mum made sure everyone at school knew about it on Monday. <laughs> Responsible parenting. I'm going to find out more about her drinking, I mean upbringing, in a minute. She also tweeted the following in October. Well, cerebral palsy day on Thursday, and today is International Lesbian Day. Why don't we just rename it Rosie Week? Come to Daddy Rosie Jones. I am so happy, Ruben. I fucking adore you. <laughs> Look, thanks for coming all the way into gorgeous Shishi Malabone. Oh, I just bought a plate in Wolfenstein. And I was so happy when I became a homeowner and now I come here and I'm like what the fuck have I done buying a total shit hole? You know what you're doing? You're doing what queers have done for centuries, raising the property value. Yes! Now look, I do a little quick questionnaire at the start of every one of the Come to Daddy episodes. Okay. It's a parental questionnaire. Gives us a broad overview of your story. Great. Names and ages of parents. So, Mummy Jones is called Andrea. Mm -hmm. And Daddy Jones is called Rob. And Andrea and Rob are both 58. Oh, nice, same ages. Yeah, and actually my mum is five weeks older than my dad. So there's five weeks every year that my dad adores taking the total piss <laughs> out of his very old wife. As he should. Yeah. What month is their birthday in? 
January, I'm February, I'm February. February. So what, your grandparents conceived them in Edinburgh Fringe? Uh, uh, I still <laughs> want to know about grandparents' sex. Well, look, I know because my mum is born t- a day after me in yeah. September, yeah. which means that her parents in East Berlin were like raw dogging on New Year's Eve. <laughs> That's how I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when Pop Pop dumped a load in in Gran? Oh, can you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to get back. Now, where do they live? Oh, so they now live in York. Right. Which is so beautiful. But I grew up by the seaside in a town in Yorkshire called Bridlington, which is a total shit hole. <laughs> Honestly, it's full of old people and pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> is that the is that the city motto? Yeah, yeah. If you're not old, you're a pedo. <laughs> um, are they still together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very happy, and my dad still works, but my mum was a deputy head teacher, mm. and she retired about. Five years ago, and honestly, they're happier than ever, and it makes me so angry. (laughs) (laughs) Give me trauma. (laughs) I need something to work with. Yeah, exactly. And also what makes me so angry is I, if I got a free 10 minutes, I'll bring home for a chat to them. And no one answers. Stop it, they don't take your calls. No. I've met your parents. Yeah. And they are... I mean, two of the most deliciously happy, lovely people. Your mum does not give off deputy head teacher vibes. Oh, no. Well, she gives off art teacher vibes who would teach you how to roll a joint. No, no. She is a smiling assassin. <laughs> Honestly. She'd be so happy, so smiley until you stepped out alone and then she'd in the kid's face spitting at them. She is vicious. Well, I'm starting to see why your dad's so happy. <laughs> Ruben, <laughs> my mummy and daddy had sex. Twice. Once for me, once for my brother, and never ever again. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you spoke to them, considering they don't answer your calls anymore? 
Oh, well, I touched my mum every day. Mm. I got to tell my mum everything. I oh, know you're one of those daughters. Yeah. We are very close. What I love about them is they're so supportive. So supportive. So, like, one of my best friends is Helen Bauer, and she's... Sorry, right now. Uh, so on Saturday, they went to see her in York and they're like shouting all about me and all my friends in comedy. God, if anything, I'm annoyed that they didn't beat me I'm... as a child. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you would have you gotten that Perrier. Yeah. Will they listen to this? Yeah. They will? Yeah. My mum uh-huh. will probably listen to yeah. this, but my mum is a my mum's a filmmaker. Yeah. So mum always has notes. No, no. Mum has feedback. But it's... Already gone out. It doesn't matter. Just listen to it and shut the fuck up. Here's a question. This is a loaded question. Hit me. A lot of comedians come in with a lot more trauma than you. Yeah. How? What? As a percentage, what percentage do you blame your parents for how you turned out? Oh. Well, that's interesting because I think you asked that question um, to be quite negative on my parents and I'm going to fuck you and turn it on its head and go 100%. I turned out to be a fucking legend because I'm a mum and dad because I was so positive and brilliant and just always told me that I could be whoever I wanted to be so yeah I would not be half the person I am today about them. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much. (laughs) It is a fantastic answer. Okay, now we move on to the body of the interview questions. Great. Right. You mentioned that your mum was your deputy head at school. Can you just give me an intro of what that's like? I mean, you didn't get away with anything. I feel like she knew when I was in trouble. Before I knew I was in trouble. But also, it was great because I think all the teachers were scared of her. So when you add on the cerebral palsy as well, I fucking ruled the entire school. Uh, in sixth form, I started uh, essentially a gambling club. 
And I got away with it like I would be. (laughs) (laughs) I would be playing poker, taking money from the younger kids, and teachers would come in the common room and you could see their minds working. Like, is my career worth risking it to tell off Andrea Jones's daughter, brackets, the one who had cerebral palsy, and every single time they go, you know what, you do you. <laughs> Enjoy your it's, poker. You like the lesbian Al Capone yeah. with a protection racket yeah. as well yeah. on top. Yeah. I'm living. Powerful. But did you ever get, when you end up getting busted for something? Yeah. Did any of the teachers take it or did it go, you get passed straight to your mum? So my mum actually never shouted at me. Um, I think because that would be a little too weird. Mm. The more I talk, the more I realise I had a dream childhood. Dream parents, dream upbringing. What will go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you started a career in comedy, so obviously there was a left-hand turn somewhere on the way to Albuquerque. Uh, Can you just quickly tell us more about just vomiting in the dry? How do you know that? I'm a gay man. I'm used to digging. Um... So I, you know me, Mm. I've always loved a drink. Mm. And one night we went out and we played pub golf. Have you ever played that? No, but it does sound like a British Olympic sport. (laughs) Yeah, it's fucking amazing. (laughs) You go to 18 pubs in one night. (laughs) (laughs) Every pub you go in, everyone's got a drink. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the drink might be a cider and black. Um, And on the cigar sheet, you have a power, which is the amount of mouthfuls you should finish. Oh my god. So not only does it encourage you to, to mix drinks, <laughs> it encourages you to to gulp it down. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So um, what I did, I was playing pub golf. And I did the first 12 pups, every single drink, pa, I drank it in one. Shut up. Yeah. You are ridiculous. Blogger down, Sambuca down, Fogger and Red Bull down. I got to the 12th 
pub. I was a lead and I was the hero of the town and I had, I think it was a oh, lager and I got through half a lager and my body just went up and I vomited everywhere and I just got out my final two words of the evening that were called Dad. Rob <laughs> <laughs> Jones came and my friends silently forced me into the car and vomited on the dashboard, mm-hmm. rolled myself out of my car and was throwing up for near on 45 minutes on my own driveway while my mum had a party for all my school teachers. So then on Monday, <laughs> the entire school knew that I had been vomiting cider and black and all over alcohol on my driveway on Saturday. And the roses have never recovered. <laughs> this is the best thing. This all happened at 8pm. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so Mum didn't mind the boozing? You know what? So that night I felt awful and after all the vomiting, I crawled into bed and when all her friends slash all my teachers went home. She opened my bedroom door and I thought, fuck, I'm in for it now. And so seriously, she went, how are you feeling? And I went, mum. I'm feeling really bad. I drank so much and my mind just paused and went, Rosie, I've never been so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) She went, I've never been so sure that you're my daughter. Oh, do you know what? That is a... Where's the Hallmark card for that? Where's the midday movie? Um, this story of the, the pub, and there's another story of you going to your teachers and saying, this teacher teaching me English, I think, yeah. I'm not going to get an A with him and I want an A, so you're going to teach me after school, right? Yeah. I How do you know that? We have a team. Yeah, Amanda has very little going on in her life. <laughs> 
She's got the pugs and and this. I gotta say, I find it no, as like a visibly queer person. Yeah. And you as a visibly queer person, a woman with a disability, people always go, Oh, you're gonna be reactive to the world or mm. you're a victim of circumstance. Yeah. And even here, the world is fucking trying to ca- racing to catch yeah. up with you. Do you think part of your disability help define or sharpen your relationship with your parents? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a chicken or the egg situation. Mm. So I know that my parents are intelligent, funny, confident, ambitious, and I've been lucky enough to inherit a lot of those traits. So I think regardless of my disability, I'd be quite a proactive person. But also it was a something that came out of being disabled literally all my life. I remember at four years old starting school and being very aware that the other children were looking at me um, and instead of ever feeling sad or angry or sorry for myself. As a four-year-old, I unconsciously made the decision that if they were already looking, I would make them look for the right reasons. So I remember at four years old saying to my entire class, Hello, I'm Rosie. I had cerebral palsy, which means I talk a bit slower than you and my legs don't work properly. Does anybody have any questions? And some of them did, and some of them just accepted it. And then moving forward, nobody looked at me funny because I was just rosy. So it's that lovely combination between having a supportive family around me but also having that innate confidence to go, right, I'm going to make you look at me on my terms. So I'm actually, <laughs> I actually getting a little emotional. I'm sorry. That's um, I wish I had some form of the confidence of that in my, in my school 
as this visibly queer kid well, nah. to recontextualize, yeah. to grab hold of the yeah. narrative yeah. and have that self-awareness, whether it's unconscious or blithe, yeah. to go, hi, this is who I am. I learned that later. And I think I now think of all the the moments and the the moments in my life that I see other people have that were in many ways it's not stolen from me, but yeah. that I missed out on because I didn't have yeah. that. And that is such a shame, but I do think sexuality is a very different. Absolutely. Because with sexuality, for me and you growing up, a, no one told us, no. but B, nobody showed us that it was okay. Yeah. And I think for a long time I denied my own sexuality because I thought I must be wrong. I can't be disabled and, and gay, gay. <laughs> like it was too much and I think well I hope that if we were seven eight nine and mm. going to school nowadays we would have language from adults to tell us that what we were starting to think and feel as little queer children was I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay. How did your parents react to you coming out? So I didn't come out till I was 27. Stop. Yeah. How long do you yeah. think you knew before then? Oh, I remember looking at a, a woman. Um, I can picture her now. And thinking, I want to kiss you like boys kiss girls, mm. and I don't know why. And I was four years old, so yeah, I was a four year old 
To be fair, your dress sense hasn't really changed since then. No. I remember seeing you in Edinburgh Fringe in dungarees, pink tails and pink sneakers, and being like, that's it, she's dressing like a slutty toddler. That's it! That I've always been a slaggy lesbian (laughs) baby. (laughs) But from. Being four years old to 27, I was really accepting myself. First of all, I was a teenager, mm. which is hard enough. Shocking. But when you add on a disability, I was making my way in the world. I didn't know if I would ever live independently. So university came first and classic lesbian. I had so many crushes on straight female friends. Why are straight people like crack? Yeah! And then this is so sad, but don't worry, I'm over it. <laughs> Literally, till I was 27, I knew I was gay, but I thought there's no point telling anybody because I'm disabled. I'll never find love. I'll never find someone to accept me for who I am. So, literally, it took till I was 28 for me to go, right, that isn't my story. I am fucking worthy of love and I came out. And I'm imagining but your parents knowing them, their reaction? For a while I didn't come out to them because I wanted to have a partner. I wanted Project an image of success yeah, so they wouldn't worry. Yeah, yeah, because not in a bad way, but I thought my mum would worry about me more. So I wanted to be able to go, don't worry, I'm in love. Yeah. But I hadn't met anyone. So one Christmas, I literally thought, fuck it, I'll do it now. Christmas Eve, I told them, and they were so loving and so accepting, and it brought us stronger, because I think before then, I'd avoided talking about 
gay in our paperwork. And parents want to know that shit. They yeah. are nosy yeah. fuckers. Yeah. So now I tell them everything. <laughs> and I'm, Every little detail? Yeah. I'm dating her, but I'm fucking her, but uh, I'm in love with her. That's great. Yeah. I sometimes stumble over that stuff with my family even now. I think when my mum, she sees me, she sees Pat my stand-up persona mm. and I have full-blown love affairs with friends that I never tell yeah. how much I'm in love with them. And then my mum will meet her and immediately she'll be like, you love her and I know why. <laughs> you are like a force of nature. Your parents seem so fearless, trusting of you or not, maybe not trusting of you, but having faith that you will triumph and yeah. it's well, yeah. well placed. Do you think there was ever any fear on their part or worry or concern about even letting you go? I've really tried to question them about this and I really wanted to know what they went through when I was growing up and I can't really get answers A because they're amazing and humble but B I think everyone when they go through something hard of a certain tragedy when you're in the middle of it you you're not aware of it my disability happened when i was born i didn't breathe for 18 minutes at that point my mum and dad didn't look at me and go, we've got a daughter with cerebral palsy. When you're in the middle of it, you're living for now. You literally go, I want you born daughter is alive and newborn daughter is now a week old our baby is not crawling at the same time but she's smiling our toddler isn't walking but by God, she can talk for England. Our child cannot run around the field, but she's top. She, she's only seven, but she got a reading age of 14. 
I don't think they ever brought up a child with a disability. They just loved Rosie. So I think that's what made them so wonderful. It was never about what I couldn't do. It was always about what I could do. And what you were achieving. And thankfully, I could achieve a lot. So as a family, we had just always, always focus on the positives. That is, one second, first off, cheers. Yeah. Cheers to mum and dad, Judge. I know, yeah. Fuck me. That is, there are tears. I'm crying through eight sets of eyelashes, bitch. <laughs> They're still on you, Great. <laughs> okay, most people I've spoken to got into performing as a way to desperately trying to get like love from audiences, mm. especially love that they felt their parents didn't give them. Yeah. All of those tropes and cliches. And, you know, everyone knows a cliche is just the truth that stuck around long enough. But every single cliche or trope that you think about comedians, you have in this one hour smashed... Mm. Like you're looting at a smash and grab. You seem too well balanced. Well, I can bring a better fuck you to the podcast. <laughs> bring, give it to me, give it to me. I think you've learnt by now that I grew up in such a brilliant, warm family. Yeah. Unfortunately, I left my warm, secure house and I am slap bang in the middle of a completely ableist society. Every single day of my life, I have been patronised and underestimated and nearly every day I get laughed at and abused so my comedy even before I started stand-up just me being funny came about as a defence mechanism, as a quite, quite a show dickhead that A, I got a brain, I know what I'm talking about, and I can fucking run rings around you. So that's where the humour came from. And I never wanted to be a politician or a lawyer, but I had a tenacious desire to 
changed the world and I decided to do that by going into the comedy industry because I fundamentally think that comedians can have a lot of power. Like, I absolutely agree. The whole art form is based yeah. on subversion and pushback. Yeah. So, yeah, me being in comedy did come from this anger and desire to prove fucking idiots wrong. And you are because you're putting forward full lineups of disabled comics. Your parents watch the performances on TV, come to your shows. They do, don't they? Yeah, they do. And I mean, they've recently had to upgrade their cigar because they don't only watch him, they record it and they keep everything. That by this point, my TV back catalogue is so big, they got no memory. <laughs> Are they coming there with Rosie Jones t-shirts? Like, we're Rosie Jones' parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but not in a weird way. Mm. They're incredibly unique in that they are not embarrassing at all. Have you noticed as you get older that you're turning into your mum and dad in any way? No, I don't think they are. I, I am really because they are amazing but they do not have my confidence so like we're very different that's so interesting because your mum seems so no it's all in that if she had her way she will never leave the house She'd be in her pyjamas with a multi-pack of cheese and onion walkers watching his standards all day, every day. I mean, that does sound like the dream. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I got no idea where I get my confidence and... My extrovertness because I like yeah, just normal, normal people. You are just so fucking unique. You are just this. Ever since I met you, I've been like, who the fuck is this foul mouthed lightning bolt that is strike? I feel lucky to be around when you strike ground. According to like some non scientific fuck online, how, no matter how hard you fight it, you start to adopt or see characteristics of your parents in you when you're about 33. I was on a holiday once with dad and it's the first time I saw dad drunk and he moved his hand in this way. And then I was on stage once and I moved my hand and I had this moment on stage. Where I was like, that's how dad moved his hand this time in, in this holiday. Has that, has stuff like that happened? Well, I am 
32. Uh, fuck you, Rosie Jones. Can we circle back round in like seven months? I'll let you know. We're coming to our favourite part of the show. It is time for the Come to Daddy Pick and Mix, where you get to sample the delicacies of your parental experience. And today, you have chosen, drumroll please, Amanda. It's quite hard. There's a lot of saliva on that microphone yeah, now. a sore tongue. No, it's so unfair. Is there something that your parents did that you remember that really ticked you off, that you still feel was the wrong call? Yeah, so I think rightly so. They were very protective of me. Hmm. And I was in brownies when I was like nine years old. And they had a brown... You were in brownies at nine years old and you needed to come out? Yeah, I told it known by the culottes. The culottes, the uniform of the young lesbian in denial. So there was a residential trip that was three days long. And my mum and dad said, you can go, but only for the day, because you can't stay over. And that broke my heart. So I went with everyone. And then at the end of the first day, my mum and I came to pick me up and the leader, Brown Owl, said, please don't take her. Rosie's the only brownie that is actually washing up and being nice and tidying. And I was like, Mummy, I want to stay because I really like washing up. And then took me home. Bastards! They took you home? Yeah. Unfair, Andrea. Yeah. So the last thing that we do every episode of Come to Daddy is called Shall I Be Mother? Yeah, please. Shall I Be Mother? You have to look into my beautiful, completely natural and not surgically altered (laughs) eyes. Uh, and you can choose whether I'm your mother or your dad mm. or both. Be completely honest. What would you say to them now? And so you're going to be my mum and my dad. Mm-hmm. You're going to be Andrea and Rob. And now I'm going to say to you, thank you. It all worked out. Oh yeah, years of worrying and not not knowing. Look at me, I'm living my dream, and I would not have it any other way. And 
every single day you spend loving me and supporting me had all been worth it and I could not love you anymore. <laughs> oh my god. Rosie Jones. I was not prepared to feel actual emotion today. I hadn't started that much therapy. What am I meant to do now? You are a fucking gem. I fucking love you. I fucking love you. <laughs> Just quickly, Rosie, where can listeners find you, contact you, see you next? What are the socials? So on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Josie. And if you want to see me performing comedy, just uh, turn on your TV. You fucking bitch! <laughs> you sassy fuck! <laughs> I live for you. You may be the only woman who can turn me vaguely heterosexual yeah. for three and a half minutes before I slingshot back to cock. 